Well, good morning again, everybody. Um, when I first got married, um, I did my very best. We got married uh, almost 11 years ago now. I did my very best to be the best husband I possibly could. I, that was my goal, to be the best husband I possibly could. And here's what I thought. Here's how I would try to be the best husband I could. I would make sure I would um, do the dishes whenever I could. I would uh, make dinner. I would help with laundry. Um, I would help clean. Because in my head, here's what I thought. I thought, well, bad husbands, bad husbands don't do these things. I want to be a good husband, so I'm going to do the opposite. I always think, like, yeah, bad husbands, they probably don't do this stuff, so that's what I'm going to do. So I would do a lot of chores around the house. But then a problem would arise every once in a while as I was doing these chores. Sometimes I would do the chore, and Erica wouldn't notice. That was a problem. Because what credit do I get if she's not noticing the chores? Like, you know the saying, um, uh, the saying, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, doesn't make a sound? If a husband does the dishes and wife doesn't see it, did he do the dishes? That was my thought. So I was like, I got to find a way to make sure she knows. So I would, I would, I thought I was subtle and I was very much not subtle. I would do things like, hey, I just want to let you know you're home. I know you had a long day. So dishes are done. Don't worry about it. I took care of that for you. Don't worry. So I wanted to get credit for it. I would do stuff like, hey, I was putting the sh- your shirts away. I didn't know exactly where they went. You might want to check. That was the way to be like, I put clothes away. I did laundry. Or be like, man, it's been really dusty in this house. I noticed while I was dusting the house. I would do things like that to try to get credit. Thinking back at year one of my marriage, there's two things I think about. First one is, why did I assume that those chores were her job, and then when I did it, it was just like extra credit? That's, I thought that. Like, why did I assume that? Maybe there's something deeper inside of me that's like, oh, maybe that's something in my background that maybe I should have thought of that wasn't extra credit. It's as much my job as it's her job, number one. Number two, I, I thought about this. Is sir, when I serve her that way and I, and I get the credit, is serving to get the credit actually serving her or is it manipulation? It probably is a little bit like I want to get the credit. I really Am I doing it because I actually love her or actually like want to get something from her? And this is the mind games that are constantly going through my head. I'm constantly thinking stuff like, am I loving people simply to love them or am I loving them to get something out of them? And these, these mind games, even though 11 years into marriage, I'm still thinking these mind games when it comes to my marriage. I think, am I serving Erica to get something from her or because I just want to show her I love her? Am I not telling her? I like to think this. Am I not telling her what I did, the laundry, whatever I did? Am I not telling her this just to make myself feel better? It's like, oh, see, I'm actually, is that why I'm doing it? Or I'm actually just not telling her because I want her to serve? And it's not just with my marriage that these mind games happen. When it comes to my job, my mind games happen all the time. I think things like this. I'm a pastor. That's what I do my, for full time. I'll think things like, do I believe in Jesus and the Bible and the church because it's my job? And if I didn't believe in it, I'd have to find a new job. Or do I actually believe it? I think that all the time. Or I think things like, um, do I connect with all of you because I want you to grow closer to God or because I want you to come to the church that I'm a pastor of? I think that all the time. I think, do I serve because it makes me feel better or because I actually want to serve God? Or can I, a sinful pastor, have pure motivations when it comes to what I do? Or is my motivation just need to be mostly pure? I think that as well. And these thoughts sometimes really mess me up. Like sometimes I think it's good because it checks my motivations and it checks my heart, makes sure I'm, I'm doing okay. But other times uh, I don't think it's as good. Other times these thoughts will incapacitate me. These thoughts will leave me thinking that I can't be the pastor I'm called to be or I can't be the friend that I'm supposed to be. I can't be the husband or, or the, the parent that I want to be. And these thoughts will just continually wage war in my mind. And if I'm not careful, it will eventually destroy me. Because I have learned that the mind is a battlefield, that it is a war. It is a war between faith 
and it's a war between thoughts of fear. And a year, a couple years ago, I really committed myself to uh, mental health. I really committed myself to try to make sure mentally I was as prepared as possible. Um, I read a couple books. The first book I read was a book called Atomic Habits. We did a series on that, I believe, last January. Um, some of you are here for that. And then I read this book called Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. And I've always liked Craig Rochelle as a pastor. I've liked um, the church that they've done. And this book really kind of helped me develop some more mental habits to help me as I was trying to get a better mental state. So for the beginning of this year, our goal is we're going to be looking at this book. So if you want to write this book down, this whole series, we're going to be talking about this book, Winning the War in Your Mind. So if you want to get it, read it yourself. You can get a little a head start of what we're going to talk about, okay? Winning the War in Your Mind um, by Craig Rochelle. And here's what I'm hoping that we will be able to understand throughout this entire series, this entire month. That our lives always move in the direction of your strongest thought. Our lives always move in the direction of your th strongest thought. Proverbs says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Your thoughts always determine the direction of your life. Have you ever heard of um, cognitive behavioral psychology? It's basically structure, goal-oriented talk therapy that goes directly to your thoughts. Think about what, the, what are the things that you are thinking and how it's affecting your life. Because here's what they found. They have found that we can create mental illnesses in ourselves because of problematic and unhelpful patterns of thinking. That we can have a problematic core belief about ourselves or a problematic lie that we believe about ourselves. And if we think about it long enough and it stays in our mind long enough, that eventually it can produce mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, addiction, OCD, PTSD, ADHD, personality disorders, and so much more. And when you see a cognitive behavioral therapist, what they do is they help you gain a new perspective to be able to respond in a more healthy way to stress. And the way they do that is they start to help you focus on your mental thoughts. What are the things that you are thinking? If you're thinking negative things, trying to get you to stop thinking about some of those negative things, think more positively so that way your life will go a different direction because they've understood and science has proven that our lives always move in the direction of your strongest thought. Let me give you some examples. If you think you can't do something, most likely you won't be able to do it because it's a mental thing. You've already mentally said, I'm not going to be able to do it. If you think you can do something, you are more likely to be able to accomplish it if you think you can. If you dwell on the problem, you will start to feel hopeless. But if you dwell on the solution, you will start to solve the problem for everybody, whatever you do in your mind. If you think you're always the victim, you most likely will be. If you think you're an overcomer, you will most likely be able to overcome whatever happens in your life. It's all a mental thing because our lives always move in the direction of your strongest thought. And how we think mentally, it impacts us physically as well. They, they say this when it comes to cancer. One of the best ways to cure cancer, besides some of the medicine, but some of the best things that, that you need is the belief that you could beat cancer. If you don't have that belief and you do everything else, you're not going to beat it. You have to have the mental capacity to say, you know what, I'm going to do it, and then hopefully you'll be able to beat it. They're finding that what we do with our minds affects us physically as well. Our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thought. And this isn't a new concept by any means. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, it's going to be our verse for the entire series, 2 Corinthians. Here's what Paul says, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10, starting at verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
Paul uses this word stronghold here, and we may not know what that is, but a stronghold is a fortress built in a city, especially back then. It was meant for two reasons. It was meant for one reason to keep military officials safe during combat, and the other reason it would put prisoners in. It would keep prisoners locked up in strongholds. Paul says that we have the weapons to demolish strongholds in our lives. So what is he talking about here? The lies that we believe can create strongholds in our minds. The lies that the enemy feeds us that when we believe it, we can create a stronghold. Things like this. You aren't good enough. You can't trust anyone. You will never succeed. You'll always be broke. You'll never get better. Your marriage will never get better. God doesn't hear your prayers. You will never make a difference. These lies, if we think them over and over and over again, will eventually create strongholds in our mind and make you a prisoner to the lies. And Paul says we can destroy those strongholds in us. But how do we do that? He says in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the word of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. If we start to believe something that combats the truth, we find in God's word that, that truth, if we start to believe that lie, the, the truth we find about ourselves, we, we grab onto that. We grab onto that lie and we make it obedient to the truth of God's word. We take it captive and make it obedient. We change that thought and we combat the thought of the lies that we are hearing with the word of God, with the truth of God. So as we prepare for this series, um, on your chairs, you guys all have your impact cards. Some of you fill those out and throw those away on the way out. That's fine. Um, but I want everyone to grab yours. Everyone grab yours. And if you, if you want to save these, by the way, we have binders for these, okay? They're all the way in the back. Um, so you can always grab one of those on your way out. But, but we're going to do a thought audit as we start. And we're going to have it on the screen. If you can put it up on the screen for me, Matt. Our thought audit. Here it is. So what I want you to do as we talk about this, I want you to circle where you are right now mentally between 1 and 10 in your thought audit. The first one, do you find yourself a little more worried? Like when you think of life or, and your kids, are you worried all the time? Are you worried about what's going to happen with your kids? Are you worried about your future? Are you worried about if you're going to be able to retire? Are you worried about your health? Or do you find yourself more at peace? You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. That you might not have everything, but you find yourself more peaceful. Where would you put yourself mentally on a scale of 1 to 10? Negative. Do you find yourself always negative? You're always looking at things in, in, in a uh, suspicious way, or, or you're always thinking the worst of people, and you find yourself in that category, or are you a little more positive? You always think things are going to work out, and even when bad things happen, you, you find a way to make good out of it. Where do you find yourself mentally? Um, or worldly. And this isn't just thinking of culture, but it's like, do you focus more on what's happening here and now, on the things of this world, of, of, of money, of things that are happening around, your happiness right now, or do you find yourself focusing more on eternal things, on, on serving God, on, on talking about other, your faith to other people? Where, where do you find yourself mentally on a scale of 1 to 10? Everyone, take your, take your time, circle where you are. What comes into your mind will come out of your life. It doesn't matter how great your life is or isn't. doesn't matter how much stuff you have. doesn't matter how much financial security you have. doesn't matter who you're married to. None of that matters. If you only bring in negative thoughts into your mind, you cannot have a positive life. Your mindset matters. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So here's the question that I want us to wrestle with this entire series, the, the question that we're going to be talking about. Are you excited about the direction your life is taking you? Are you excited about it? If your mindset determines the direction of your life, when you look at your life right now, are you excited about the direction you're going, or are you not excited? Are you excited about it? When you look at where your life is going, are you happy or are you not? When you look at where your married life's going, are you happy about it or are you not? 
when you look at your mental state, maybe you look back at your mental state five years ago and you see the trajectory that it's been on or been on, are you happy about that trajectory or are you not? Or when you look at your faith, your spiritual life, are you happy about where you are right now or are you not? Are you excited about the direction your life has taken you? Because if you aren't excited about any aspect of your life, the direction of any aspect of your life, that means you need to change your thinking. It's where it starts. You need to change your thinking. So where do we begin? If our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts and we don't like the direction we are currently going, where do we start? We'll talk about two things as we get ready for this entire series. Number one is this. Identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. What is that stronghold, that, that lie that you keep believing that is holding you back from becoming the person God wants you to be? What is it? That stronghold that's holding you back. For you, it might be, I'm not good enough. I've messed up too much in my past. I've never been good with money. Uh, I'll never find fulfillment in my job. I'll never be healthy. I can't keep any relationships. I'll never be close to God. Our brains love to be efficient. They love to. That's what our brains do. So our brains are constantly trying find, to find ways to be as efficient as possible. Here's what our brain will do. If you think of a thought often enough, think of a thought often enough, your brain will create neuropathways so that it becomes easier to think that thought again. So if you think of a thought enough, it wants to be efficient. So if you keep thinking that thought, it's going to be like, okay, he wants to think it. I'm going to make it as easy as possible to think this thought easier and easier and easier. And this works either way. If you keep thinking negative thoughts, your brain is going to rewire itself so that it's easier for you to think that negative thought. That's what it does. If you think positive thoughts, your brain is also going to rewire itself so that it's easier for you to think positive thoughts. It will rewire itself. Here's what it's like. Remember when I was a kid? Um, I lived two houses down from my grandparents' house. And um, we would walk from my grandparents' house, or from my house, down to my grandparents' house because they had soda. So every day, we would go over there and grab a soda. That's what we did every day. So we would walk down, and um, the, the way the sidewalk worked, it went like this, and it was a driveway, then you walked up. We're not taking that whole trip. So what we would do is we would go cut through the grass. The same path every time we'd cut through the grass, okay? And what tended to happen after a while is wherever we walked, there was a little path. They didn't make a path. It was supposed to be grass, but they made a little path. And then my dad and my parents moved in there eventually my, when my grandfather passed away to, to help my grandmother. And he would yell at us if we would do that path until eventually he just made the sidewalk there because he knew we were never going to stop walking on that path. If you went to your house right now and if you walked from your front door one path on the grass multiple times a day for 100 days, what would happen to that path you walked? The grass would die. You would, it would eventually, you would be able to very noticeably be like, oh, that's where the path is where I walk every single day. If you stop walking on that spot, over time, the grass will grow back. It, it, you won't be able to tell where it was, or, but it's going to take time. But eventually, you're going to be like, oh, I don't even remember where we walked. Some of us have been thinking the same negative thought, the same negative lie, over and over and over, and you've made a path. You've made a path that is so obvious. Stop thinking lies about yourself, and that path will eventually go away. It's a stronghold that you are captive in. Paul says it this way in Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. It, it gets rid of the stronghold when you renew your mind. So what is the stronghold that you are captured in right now? What is that thought that you keep telling yourself? That stronghold that once you know it, then you can choose how you respond to it. Maybe for you it's this. Maybe your stronghold is that you always feel bad about yourself. You can respond two ways. You 
feel bad about yourself. So when you feel bad about yourself, you eat like crap. You eat ice cream, you eat pizza, whatever, just to, to make you feel a little better in that exact moment, but then you actually feel worse. It's creating a path that all of a sudden now you're going to keep thinking bad about yourself because you're not doing anything to renew in your mind. Or you think bad about yourself, and so instead you decide I'm going to go on a walk or I'm going to go outside, I'm going to work out, something that actually renews my mind. What, which one do you do? Maybe your stronghold is you're, you're bored. So your normal response is, well, I'm gonna, when I'm bored, I'm going to grab my phone and scroll and scroll and scroll. And it, it, keeps, it helps your boredom, and it gives you a little bit of dopamine hit, but in the long run, it actually makes your mental state way worse. Or maybe you don't look at social media, you look at things you shouldn't look at because you're bored, and all of a sudden, now your mind is completely changing. You're not renewing your mind. Or you're bored, and you can choose to read a book. Heaven forbid the Bible be one of those books. You could do that. So it renews your mind. You have a choice. Maybe for you, you had a bad day at work. You had a bad day at work. That's your stronghold. So you can come home, and you can take it out on your kids, and you can yell at everybody because you're stressed out. You get everyone to say, everyone needs to give me 10 minutes. And then everyone has to avoid mom or dad because they just came home. And you're grumpy to all of them. And, and that's how you respond. And it will not help you. It will not make your mental state any better. Or you had a bad day at work. You drive at home. You stay in the car and pray for a solid 10 seconds, minutes, an hour, however long you need, right? You go in. And instead of yelling at anybody, you give people hugs. And if it was a really hard day, you, like, you say, you know what? We're going out to dinner. We're going to have some fun. We're going to play some games as a family. It renews your mind. You have a choice. Either way, you, the strongholds are going to come. The negative thoughts and the bad days are going to come. The lies are going to pop into your head constantly. But you control how you respond to them. And when you choose to respond in a way that renews your mind, you begin to forge a path. Just like when you walk on that grass, you begin to forge a new path. And the more you forge that path, the easier it becomes to walk that path. So what is the stronghold that's holding you back? Identify it, name it, this lie that's, it's when you think about it, it's constantly holding you back, that's keeping you a prisoner, what is that stronghold? And then once you've identified that stronghold, number two, number two, name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Name that truth. In John chapter 8, Jesus says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth always sets you free. Free from the lies that we tell ourselves. Here's what it's kind of like. Imagine you're in a room. You get into a room. It's not that big of a room. And I'm there, and I leave the room, and I shut the door, and I pretend to lock it. I don't really lock it, but I pretend to lock it, okay? I make a little noise, and it sounds like I locked the door. And I yell in there to you, hey, you're locked in here. You cannot get out, okay? You're locked in here. It's a lie. You're not locked. You can get out anytime you want. I lie to you, but I say, hey, you're locked in here. If you believe my lie, you're going to be stuck in there, right? If you believe the lie that I said, you're going to be stuck in there until I let you out because you believe you're stuck in there. What's the point in doing anything? What's the point in checking the door? But if you were like, you know what? I'm not sure if that's true. I'm going to make sure it is true, and I try to open the door myself. Then you're going to realize, oh, the door's been open this whole time. I'm not stuck in here. My pastor's a liar. That's what you would think. You can leave. You're free to go. Some of us are believing the lies of the enemy, and it's like we're locked in a door or in a room that's actually completely unlocked. And we think we're locked, we're stuck, we'll be here forever when the door's actually open. Paul said in 2 Corinthians that we take captive every thought and make it obedient. The Greek word that Paul uses here for take captive is actually like a war term, as in you capture with a spear or a sword. So what is the biggest stronghold holding you back? And what is the truth that you will attack that stronghold with, that you will demolish that stronghold with? What is it for you? Um, I was 
in school, I was never the smartest kid in school. I was never the coolest kid in school. I was never the best athlete on my team in school. Um, I was never the, the guy that girls liked. I was the shy kid, and I didn't really do anything super well, okay? Um, in high school, here's what I would do in high school, and I feel like this is, uh, I don't think it's just me who did this in high school. Maybe, maybe it is, I don't know. But here's some of the things I would do in high school. I would think about teams I was on. I was always like, I was good at baseball, but I was always like the fourth best player on, on my team. I was never even close to the top. I, I, I got B's and C's at best. My parents were happy with B's because they, they knew I was kind of dumb. And then, like, girls, that, all that stuff. And here's what I would think. I would look at the people that were at my school and the, and the friends that were around, and I would constantly think this up. I would think, man, I would take his looks. I would take his athleticism. I would take his um, confidence. I would take his humor. I would take, I just thought of all the people around of what I would take. If I could, I would take these things so that way I could be this thing that I wasn't because I was very insecure about who I was. And so in college, I, I decided to try to change things. And I remember when I went to my first class at CCBC, Catonsville, that's where I went uh, to start. Um, I was at CCBC for three and a half years, and then I went to University of Baltimore for three years. So I went to school for almost seven years. You're only a doctor at the end of that. I was not a doctor, okay? So I went to CCBC, and I remember the first day I was like, I remember who I was in high school. I'm not being that person anymore. I'm not gonna be that person that struggles with insecurity, so I'm gonna be confident. And I walked in confidently. And then I remember looking, and, and don't judge me, but I would look and be like, who's the prettiest girl in this class? I'm sitting next to her, and I'm gonna like talk to her. And that never worked either, but I tried, right? I was trying to be confident. So I remember I tried to put on this front, because that's what I wanted to do. I was, I'm gonna try to change. I wasn't trying to find my identity in Christ. I was just trying to find my identity in what I thought was worth having. So I would, I would do that. And I would try to, 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 to basically look like the part that I wanted to be. And then I found myself becoming arrogant. I found myself becoming a little cocky. I, I, I would assume that I would test, that I would pass all these tests, that I was smart enough. I, I assumed I was the best player on the team. And if I lost, I would get really mad. I just remember doing that. It, and it was just a mask. And people would think, that I was confident, some people thought I was cocky, but really, there was this insecurity I was just hiding. I don't want anyone to kind of see it. And over the years, I've grown and I've matured, but I find that insecurity still pops up in me today. There's times when um, I'm here, and I remember, I, there's plenty of times where I'm thinking like, I, I don't fully know what I'm doing with this job. I don't know if I'm the best example. I don't know if I'm the best leader. I think this stuff all the time. There's times when I go to, um, there's a pastor's conference that I go that I go to often for our district. And I'll sit there and I'll look at all the other pastors. I'm like, man, all these other pastors are way better at being a pastor than I am. I think it almost every time. Like, they know the Bible more than I do. They know leadership stuff more than I do. They give answers when our boss is talking. I'm like, that's a great answer. That wouldn't be my answer. Like, I think that stuff all the time. I even, um, I go to this um, church planning conference thing um, where uh, there's an organization that helped us plant this church four years ago called Passion for Planning. They helped us for completely free. So um, about once or twice a year, I go and I speak at um, these boot camps that they do for future church planners. Um, and I go and talk about how you build teams and things like that. And every time I go, I kid you not, I've done it once or twice a year, every year, every time I go, I go and I start talking, and I look at the people that are there, and I always think there are at least two or three pastors in this room that are way smarter than I am. And right now, while I'm talking, what they're thinking is, who is this guy telling me? I know what I'm doing. I know more than he does. I think that every time. I always think they think I'm a fraud because I don't actually know what I'm talking about. 
And I've learned that there's a little bit of truth in some of this stuff. There's a little bit of truth deep down in there where I'm not the best at everything. In fact, no one's the best at anything, right? No one is number one at everything we do. Most of us are average. That's what average is, right? That's most of us. So I've started to learn that, but here's what I've started to really try to learn and, and work on. The truth of God that says, in First Peter it says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I've been learning that I am able, not because I am able, I am able because through him, he is able. And I can have confidence not because I'm good enough or I'm the best or I know everything, but because he is. So what lies do you believe? What is the truth that you need to believe? In, in Ephesians, Paul describes the armor of God. And most of the armor of God is, is stuff that's protective. The, the helmet of salvation, the, the boots of, of peace, the shield of faith. There's one thing that he talks about that's an offensive weapon. There's one thing out of everything he talks about. And it's the sword of the spirit, which Paul says is the word of God. That's our offense. When we build strongholds of lies in our head, we use the word of God to combat that with truth. What is the truth you find in scripture that demolishes the stronghold that you have made in your life? Maybe for you, your stronghold is, I'm not good enough. You're like me. I'm not good enough. They're going to find me out at some point. They're going to see through me at some point. At work, they're going to see through me. I'm not good enough. Well, 2 Corinthians says that he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is is made perfect in weakness. Maybe if you, you feel like, I'm a failure. Everything I've tried to do, I've failed. I've, I've, I've failed at work. I've failed at school. I've failed my first marriage. I've failed my second marriage. Everything I do is a failure. I'll always be a failure. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you'll do nothing. Maybe you think, if you knew my past, I've messed up way too much. I mess up way too much for any kind of God to love me. I'm too far gone. Romans 8 says, For I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, for anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe your thought is, I'm just always so consumed about what other people say about me what other people think about me. I want to have the, the, the good social media so that way I get a certain image. I'm always thinking about the image that other people have of me. I'm always going to be what other people say I am. i always concerned about that. Well, 1 Thessalonians says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God to test our hearts. Maybe your, your stronghold is it's all on my shoulders. It all depends on me. At work, it's always on me. My family life, it's all on me. There's this burden that's always on me. That it all depends on me constantly. I cannot fail them. I cannot fail anybody. And this burden you carry constantly. Colossians 1 says, He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Maybe you think, I'll just never be able to rest. Just nonstop going and going and going. I'll never be able to stop. I'll never be able to rest. I'm constantly going to the next thing and next thing. I just wish I could take a vacation. I wish I could just, just retire, but I can never stop. It's just constantly one thing after another. I'll never be able to stop. 
Matthew 11 says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thought. If we capture that lie, that belief, that stronghold that is in us, and replace it with the truth that sets you free. Don't stay locked. Don't stay locked in a prison of your mind when Jesus holds the key. When Jesus has opened the door, don't stay locked in that prison. Our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thought. Let's pray. Dear God, we we come to you humbly and surrender ourselves to you. We surrender our every part of ourselves to you, including our mind. God, I pray that you help us as it's so easy to believe the lies that we keep hearing, the lies that we tell ourselves, the lies that other, other people told us. It's so easy for us to create a prison in our mind. Dear God, thank you for being the God who sets us free, who gave us truth, who gave us our next step, who is with us in every aspect of it. And I pray that right now, the people in this room that have those thoughts, those strongholds in their mind, you're able to speak to them right where they are with the truth of who you say we are in you. I thank you for loving sinners like us, giving us hope, giving us grace, giving us a new path. And I pray that you give us the courage to take the next step so we can start to combat the strongholds and the lies in our head with the truth of your word, of who you are and who you say we are. In your son's name, amen. Let's sing this closing song together.